The service of prayer and preaching for the 13th Sunday after Trinity, September 11, 2022. The opening hymn is LSB 690, Hope of the World. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. 
Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, Proclaim that his name is exalted. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Glory be to the Father, Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. The Lord God is my strength and my song. Has become my salvation. A reading from Second Chronicles, the twenty-eighth chapter. The men of Israel took captive two hundred thousand of their relatives, women, sons, and daughters. They also took much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded. And he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand. But you have killed them in a rage that has reached up to heaven. And now you intend to subjugate the people of Judah and Jerusalem, male and female, as your slaves. Have you not sins of your own against the Lord your God? Now hear me and send back the captives from your relatives whom you have taken. For the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Certain chiefs also of the men of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Johanan, Berechiah the son of Milsholhamoth, Jehezekiah the son of Shalom, 
and Amasa, the son of Hadlai, stood up against those who were coming from the war and said to them, You shall not bring the captives in here, for you propose to bring upon us guilt against the Lord in addition to our present guilt and sins. For our guilt is already great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the princes at all the assembly, and the men who have been mentioned by name rose and took the captives. And with the spoil they clothed all who were naked among them. They clothed them and gave them sandals, provided them with food and drink, and anointed them. And carrying all the feeble among them on donkeys, they brought them to their kinsfolk at Jericho, the city of palm trees. Then they returned to Samaria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The intro it is verses from Psalm 74. For the covenant, O Lord, let not the downtrodden turn back in shame. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Do not forget the clamor of your foes. O God, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation which you have purchased of old, which you have redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage. Remember Mount Zion where you have dwelt. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Have regard for the covenant, O Lord. Let not the downtrodden turn back in shame. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Do not forget the clamor of your foes. A reading from Galatians, the third chapter. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ 
might be given to those who believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Luke, the 10th chapter. Turning to the disciples, Jesus said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and did not, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Continue with the Common Responsory on page 263. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. We continue with the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. You shall have no other gods. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The religion of the law and the destructive works of death are on the hearts and minds of many today. We gather on the 13th Sunday after Trinity, the 21st anniversary of the attacks and terroristic activities known simply as September 11th. Since that time, how much time have you spent trying to prove that Muhammad was a false prophet and that Allah is a fake non-existent God? How much energy was donated in anger and not understanding? How many actions and prayers have been done under the words of God which direct, you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds? They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. How much mental energy have you used trying to convince yourself and others that Zeus did not do the things that people say he did? How many times this week have you found yourself thinking, if only the wicked gods and goddesses were good, then there wouldn't be pain, suffering, and inequality in the world? My guess is that many of you haven't spent one ounce of energy or even one second of your week thinking about these things. I would also guess that your week was probably thinking more about the same fruits of evil and death that are brought about by these false gods. Believers and non-believers alike wonder why there is evil, pain, and suffering in this world. They get angry over sin they're broken with their own sin and hurt by the sin of others. They wrestle and struggle with how to live with mercy and grace in a sin-filled, corrupted world with sin-filled, corrupted people. These are important questions. They're central to how we live and move and have our being. However, there is one question that is even more central, one more question that serves as the foundation for the other questions and really shapes the how we then live, move, and have our being. The lawyer asks this foundational question, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is a question that is of extreme importance. We don't ask important questions of fake deities. 
Christians don't waste energy challenging claims of false gods. We only ask the most important questions of the true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the God Christians seek, and he is the God that non-believers try to refute. He is the only God. And non-believers betray this fact, even if they're not cognizant of it, when they try to refute him, because they acknowledge by even asking the question that he has answers. The New Testament writers recorded for us many times when the Pharisees, the scribes, and even the priests challenged Jesus on his preaching and teaching about his Father and the kingdom of heaven. They challenged him because their eyes and ears told them that what he was saying about himself and his father were true. If Jesus' life, works, and teachings didn't have the truth, they would not have wasted their time questioning him. What Jesus said about the Old Testament, about the Messiah, about God's promise of his keeping it were all true. They knew it, but they didn't want to admit it. It was clear that his words and actions were consistent with what they knew of the Messiah from the Old Testament. This is precisely why they questioned him. They wanted to try to appease their consciences and remain in their sin. If they could somehow prove him wrong, they could feel better about continuing in their own sin. They were angry and aimed it at his perfect life. If they could cut him down and beat him into a mangled mess, they could walk by with self-pride and an outward clearness to the world or an outward cleanness to the world. On the other side of the road, They could look with pity or scoff as they passed by, wagging their head. (laughs) Oh, what a fool. Let him save himself if he is the son of God. Look at him. Not even God wants him. They attacked his person and his works, trying to prove him wrong. And they failed miserably every time. They failed because Jesus constantly pointed them back to the Bible, which they knew. They were always accused by their false belief, but most of them refused to be humbled turn and repent. A few did, of course. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea are but two of them, and they're not the only two. More would repent and believe after Jesus died and was raised from the dead. The context of the Good Samaritan text is important to understand it. Without the context, it can easily be twisted to confuse law and gospel. That is, it's easy to take this text for Christians as a way to comfort themselves. That somehow our works for those in need are saving works. The sinful nature likes to stress what I can do and then turn to God. Hey, Dad, look at all of these things that I've done. I helped my poor hurting brother. Now I must get a reward. I deserve it. In our text today, Jesus begins by telling his disciples, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The saints in the Old Testament desired to see the fulfillment of God's promise in Jesus Christ and did not see it. They believed it was coming and trusted in God to keep his word. The people of Jesus' day saw it with their own eyes, but only the disciples were blessed because they alone believed. In order to demonstrate why they were blessed, Matthew records Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. After these words to the disciples, a certain lawyer came forward to test Jesus. This wasn't the kind of lawyer that we think of in our society where lawsuits and court news abound. 
This wasn't a traffic lawyer, a family lawyer, or a big business lawyer. This was a man who was employed by the church to read and make judgments on church law. We could better understand this man to be a theologian. This was a man who made his living studying the Old Testament. He knew the Bible inside and out. He knew the words, and he was aware of every contemporary interpretation of it for his day. So when this man comes to Jesus to test him, he is starting a theological debate to try to show that Jesus was at odds with the doctrines of the church. He wants to try and poke holes in Jesus' theology. It may be too obvious to say that this man did not believe in Jesus. He asked the questions from the point of view of unbelief. He wasn't looking for right and proper understanding. He wasn't asking to learn and be better. He thought he knew better and wanted to trap Jesus and prove him wrong. This is different than how Christians ask questions of God. Christians can question God. We do ask as true children to our Heavenly Father. There's the difference. We're not equals with God. We're not above God demanding an explanation. Our questions come from a point of humility, repentance, and desire for the truth. We can pour out our hearts to God, asking why things are the way they are, but we never put ourselves above him as if we know better. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David all ask questions of God, tough questions. But they ask them from humility, knowing their place before the creator, redeemer, and sanctifier of the world. I mean, I have to, you know, hand it to the lawyer. He asks an important question. He wanted to know about heaven. He wanted to know about salvation. Jesus, however, knows his heart and throws the question back at him. You tell me. What does the Old Testament, which you claim to know so well, say? It speaks of these important matters. You should already know this answer. You tell me. And the lawyer does. He quotes from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Basically, keep all the commandments perfectly and you will go to heaven. The Old Testament tells you how you can inherit eternal life. The problem, of course, is sin stops you. The lawyer is smart enough to realize that he does sin, that everyone sins, and therefore no one will get to heaven this way. So he seeks to justify himself and justify his sins by seeking a point of clarification in the law that would soothe his conscience. He pulls the political move of answering a question with a question. Who is my neighbor? He thinks that if he can redefine the terms, then he can interpret the law in such a way as to keep it. Thereby, he cannot simply inherit eternal life. Rather, he will have earned it. He wants to continue doing what he wants and saying what he wants to say and still push God to make God allow him into heaven. Jesus, the true teacher, has more to teach. The Old Testament has more than the condemning law. Jesus came to bring salvation. The Old Testament also preaches the gospel. Hosea records, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Isaiah is told, Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come and save you. Salvation belongs to God. He wants to show mercy. He has no pleasure in the death of the sinner. 
He wants all to be saved by the knowledge of the truth. So Jesus tells the wayward lawyer and all of us a parable. You know the details well. And time is running out. Many of you might be getting angry with time and have already checked your watches. I direct you quickly to a couple of things. Jesus points out special groups of people that pass by without helping. The priest passes by without helping. Earthly sacrifices will not save the man. The Levite, one who is a lawyer, a theologian of the law, cannot save the man, so he too passes by on the other side. The Samaritan is the only one who has compassion. He uses all of his means to save the man. Now, compassion is only used of God and Jesus in the New Testament. The Samaritan is the divine character representing Jesus. The law and the temple sacrifices cannot save, but God himself saves in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Believe this and you will live. Believe this and you will inherit eternal life. There is nothing else. This is the gospel. But God, why am I hurting so much? Why does grief seem to consume me on so many days? Why do I miss my loved ones so much? Why am I so sick? Why do I have this disease? Why do my kids do this? Why do others in the world do that? Why do I feel so bad? Why can't I get a hold of my emotions? Why is this marriage so hard? Why do I struggle so much with church people? <laughs> Who is my neighbor? Or why is my neighbor? <laughs> So difficult. Why am I separated from my loved ones? Why do I struggle with temptation so much? Why, God, why? Brothers and sisters, asking questions is good. You place them before the one true God, the God who knows and controls all things, the God who can hear and answer prayer. He is the one who answers as a dear father to you, his dear child. And the Lord Jesus does answer. He does not leave you alone. The world, sin, death, and the devil will beat you up, leaving you for dead in the ditch. They seek your soul. They seek to destroy you by means of false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Your intellect, your good intentions, and your discipline, even generic spiritual thoughts or wishes, will all fail you and leave you in the ditch. But your good Samaritan has come. He is neither generic nor merely spiritual. He is a man, the incarnate God, he is God in the flesh. He continually binds your wounds with the holy absolution, with the fact that you are baptized. He puts you on his own dear shoulders. He binds you up today with the holy supper of Christ's true body and true blood. These are the divine medicines that heal eternally. There's nothing more for you to do. Your Redeemer and Savior places you in the church where the innkeeper can take care of you until he returns. You are here with all of your fellow travelers for care and for support. The Lord's mercy is for all people, and if for all, then it is for you too. Eternal life is yours. Christ is yours. What can man do? Nothing that destroys God's mercy for you. Let us pray. In suffering be thy love my peace. In weakness be thy love my power. And when the storms of life shall cease, O Jesus, in that final hour, be thou my rod and staff and guide and draw me safely to thy side. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We sing hymn LSB 683, Jesus, thy boundless love to me.
Jesus, thy boundless love to me, no thought can reach, no tongue declare. Unite my thankful heart to thee, and reign without a rival there. Thine holy In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the holy Christian church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Almighty and everlasting God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you have promised, make us love what you have commanded. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Amen. We sing hymn LSB 852, O God of mercy, God of might. And thou who gamest on earth 
to die, that our lost world might live thereby. O oh, hear us, for to Thee we cry, in hope, Lord, to Teach us the lesson thou hast taught To feel for those thy blood hath bought That every word and deed and thought May work a work for thee. All are redeemed both far and wide Since thou, O Lord, the will and grace provide to love them all in thee. In sickness, sorrow, want, or care, may we each other burden share. May we, where help is needed there, give help as unto Above all those who live.